It's the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, the most important story. Out here in Colorado, we had a sex education bill that was passed. It was signed by the governor and put into law. I just can't believe what is happening to uh, public education. The latest in politics and world affairs. We are now using policy that if you don't affirm something, that they use policy then to take away your businesses. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Kids are just being bombarded with darkness. It's the AmeriChicks, dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. You know, we need to get back to letting our kids be kids. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Leslie, guess what today is. It's hump day. Right. It is hump day. Welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, uh, where we are having conversations about really important issues out there. I'm thrilled to have in studio with me attorney Kevin Flesh. Uh, I talked to, I was thinking, who could we talk to about due process? This is so important. And producer Steve said, you need to talk to Kevin Flesh. It's it's great to have you here. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's uh, early morning, but I'm an early riser, so I'm ready to go. So it worked out okay. Yeah, and this is a great topic. It really is an interesting topic, not only just for lawyers, but people in general that really really looking at what our Constitution is based on, mm-hmm. and rights versus privileges, and what things the government can do to us, and, and how it's done. Um, fun topic. So, so we'll, we'll be really delving into that in segments three and four. And the way the show is set up, Kevin, is uh, typically the first two segments we talk about headlines, uh, issues, could be national or state, local, and then really delve into a topic like we will on due process. Awesome. I think due process is a hill that we really need to die on. We do. But I, I want to hear what you have to say it's about absolutely that. absolutely true. So with that, let's jump in here. We've got a, a number of things that we need to let you know about. Uh, but first of all, since we're going to be talking about due process, I always like to do a quote from someone. I'm thinking, how about Clint Eastwood? You know, I think he kind of likes due process. So his here's our inspiration for today from Clint Eastwood. He says, I don't believe in pes- pessimism. If something doesn't come up the way you want Forge ahead. If you think it's going to rain, it will. So again, he says, I don't believe in pessimism. And uh, I think that's a good good inspiration for this morning. Now, Steve, producer Steve, school is starting and the kids are heading to class. Now, this may date us, but for today's funnies, one hard thing to explain to kids today is how legitimately exciting it used to be when someone would wheel in an overhead projector. (laughs) <laughs> you just had to go here, didn't you? <laughs> I do. It's it, true. I'm on my 63rd trip around the sun, and uh, I remember those days. Yeah. Uh, overhead projector, film strip. Something special was going to happen. Yeah. Something special was going to happen. Well, so. it meant, yeah, something special out of the norm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, I want to say thank you to you, producer Steve, to Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie. Thank you to all of you for keeping this train on the track. I greatly appreciate that. And to you all listeners out there, we appreciate you immensely as well. Uh, You have a purpose. You are treasured. You're valued. So go out and do that today. And we greatly appreciate you listening. Uh, So let's jump into some things here. Some ways I I don't really know quite where to start. uh, But I think I want to start on something national. Patty has put together a number of... um, headlines here and I, some I don't quite know where to start but I think that this is very important we carried this over from yesterday this is from Greg Jarrett and I've actually been watching him for a while as you know he's a commentator on Fox News and he's done an opinion piece 
Uh, and he says Comey's FBI was running a secret counterintelligence operation against Trump. The new doc, uh, new documents show. It says newly obtained documents confirm that James Comey FBI was running a secret and corrupt counterintelligence operation against the Trump campaign in the summer of 2016, and repeatedly deceiving uh, deceive the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Code that uh, court. Uh, thereafter, in order to try to wiretap a Trump campaign associate. The disclosure was the result of a federal lawsuit and a year of litigation. Despite efforts by FBI Director Christopher Wray to obstruct, obstruct, did you hear that, Steve? A federal court issued an order that forced the FBI and Department of Justice to produce the records known as 302 reports. They are a summary of interviews that FBI agents conducted with Bruce Orr, a top DOJ official. Now, and as many of you know, Bruce Orr's wife was actually working for Fusion uh, GPS or whatever it is uh, that uh, was one of those that that was very involved in this um, dossier that they used to try to to frame Trump, if you will. Says these 302 show that the FBI and DOJ were warned repeatedly by Orr that ex-British spy Christopher Steele was virulently biased against the target of their investigation, Trump. That bias tainted the credibility of the dossier that Steele composed and upon which officials in the Obama administration relied when they officially launched their counterintelligence investigation in July of 2016. The dossier was also the basis for the surveillance warrant against former Trump campaign advisor Carter Page. The FBI and DOJ ignored the warnings of bias and actively concealed it from uh, FISC. They never advised the judges that the information contained in the dossier was unverified. They hid from the judges that it was all funded by the Clinton campaign and the DNC, the Democrat National Committee. The court was never told that Orr's wife helped cultivate some of the research used against Trump. Having fired Steele for leaking to the media and lying about it, the FBI and DOJ represented to the judge that Steele was reliable when they knew he was not. They continued to rely on him months after his termination. An apparent fraud was perpetrated in the court, not once, but four times in successive warrants through June of 2017. These are dishonest, if not, in fact, uh, unlawful acts. There were secret meetings. On July 5, 2016, Comey stood before television cameras and microphones at a nationally watched news conference. I remember that, don't you, Steve? And by mangling the law and contorting the facts, he announced that he was exonerating Hillary Clinton of any crimes for her mishandling of thousands of classified documents. At roughly the same time, some 3,660 miles away from Washington, Comey's FBI was meeting in the London building with Steele, who conveyed the contents of his initial dossier memo memo, dated June 20, 2016, with agent Michael Gaeta. When the FBI agent read the document, he was stunned and remarked, I have to report this to headquarters. Thus, on the same day, Comey cleared Clinton. The witch hunt against Trump began in earnest. Then on July 30th, Steele met with Orr at the Mayflower Hotel in Washington, D.C., and shared the dossier, but added that the FBI already had it in their possession. Immediately thereafter, Orr convened a meeting with FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe and the FBI uh, lawyer who worked for him, Lisa Page. The 302 reports corroborate Orr's congressional testimony behind closed doors that he was that was made public in February of this year. He told lawmakers that he specifically warned McCabe and Page that the information in the dossier was highly dubious and driven by a biased author who despised Trump. 
He also advised that it was commissioned by Fusion GPS, where his wife worked, because I wanted the FBI to be aware of all possible bias. And uh, I, I think I'll, I'll finish. I, I'm not going to finish the complete article there, but this is by Greg Jarrett. And uh, what this actually says, my friends, is that, that that there is something that's very, very wrong that has been going on in Washington, D.C. And uh, when President Trump looks into the camera and he says, they're not coming after me, they're coming after you. This kind of these people have are, have been embedded in Washington, D.C., uh, and and really, I think on both sides of the aisle, we, we've got, uh, you know, uh, corroboration in this kind of stuff. <clears throat> and uh, President Trump uh, was not a politician. And uh, he has come in and he is really shaking things up. And the, the reason I think that he he is 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 um, is is our president is because he cares about everyday American people, no matter what your descriptor is, whether or not it's black, white, Hispanic gay, straight, whatever, man, woman. I think that he really cares about everyday people, and that is why he's doing this. He's a billionaire. He's, he's got a lovely family. He's got all kinds of things that he can do. As uh, one of my friends said, he's got a smoking hot wife. He does not have to be doing this, but I, I am grateful that he is because what, what Greg Jarrett has uncovered here is uh, Comey and it's Clapper and Brennan. I think they're actually going to get him. I think that their lies are finally going to uh, they're going to get them on that. Steve, what do you think? Well, the phrase drain the swamp, uh, the reference to the swamp is establishment politics. And people want to get, you know, quick to take sides on that. Well, the, is that the R's or the D's? It's both. Establishment <laughs> politics is both, and it stinks. And uh, you know, Trump went in with the gum blazings and guns blazing and i think it's great but uh in terms of are these big guys these big guns gonna fall i hope so well i hope we get to the truth i really hope that we get to the truth on this but that is one other interesting thing i wanted to bring up is the democrats have kind of sent a threat over to the uh the supreme court kevin have you seen this yet i have not okay this was just breaking and they're basically have said that they need to heal the court let me get to this. We have so many th- different things here. Heal the court. Did I hear you right? Yeah. It says uh, one the, more. One I didn't more. Know the here. court was injured. They have okay. a disability in being conservative. <laughs> oh, yes. They were headed that way. So, Senate Dems deliver stunning warning to Supreme Court: heal or face restructuring. Several high-profile Senate Democrats warned the Supreme Court in pointed terms this week that it could face a fundamental restructuring if justices do not take steps to heal the court in the near future. The ominous and unusual warning was delivered as part of a brief filed Monday in a case related to a New York City gun law. Senators Sheldon Whitehouse, Richard Blumenthal, Maisie Hirono, Richard Durbin, and Kirsten Gillibrand referenced rulings by the court's conservative majority in claiming it is suffering from some sort of affliction and must be remedied. The Supreme Court is not well, and the people know it, the brief said. Perhaps the court can heal itself before the public demands it be restructured in order to reduce the influence of politics. Can you believe that one? No, with that list of names you just read uh, from that committee, my memory takes me right back to the confirmation hearings. Every one of those people made royal rear ends out of themselves. And, uh, wow, the fact that they would verbalize something like that, that's, I guess, no real big surprise. Well, and once again, it, um, 
it shows to us that uh, these people really want to have power. And I don't think that they ever thought that there would be a Republican that was elected again. You know, we talked about, uh, this was a while back, on the strategy on the Supreme Court, the, pa- the fact that Ruth Bader Ginsburg had not stepped down so that Obama could have had uh, another appointee because she's no spring chicken anymore. <laughs> and, uh, you know, from a strategic standpoint, she, if, if, in fact, they were concerned that we might have a Republican that was elected, strategically, she should have stepped down so that Obama could have had that uh, had that appoint, appointment, but that didn't happen. And so now now we have senators saying that the court has to heal. I hate to drag, I won't drag God down to the uh, level of politics in this country, but you got to admit their timing there was just awful. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, and one other thing, you just mentioned Kavanaugh. You know, Jeffrey Epstein uh, died over the weekend. He, uh, you know, is the accused. I mean, talk about a. I mean, trafficked young girls apparently with powerful men. And yesterday, I heard one of the victims was starting to come out with names, and uh, it, so it certainly makes you wonder why. Um, it, it makes you concerned about the untimely demise of uh, Jeffrey Epstein in um, facility in in Manhattan. But where is all of the outrage from all of these women that we saw regarding the appointment of Judge Kavanaugh, where they had to go back to uh, something that he might have done like in junior high school? And I'm not hearing a word about anybody, at least from what I can tell, regarding Jeffrey Epstein. And uh, I I think it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing uh, plays out. There was another development yesterday, too, in that uh, at lunchtime, the coroner went out to, you know, to lunch, and while he was gone, Epstein cremated himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't you think you're funny? <laughs> Tell you what, let's go. Uh, let's go to break. There's so many things going on. I mean, actually, I think we could do a 24-hour show with all the stuff that we have to talk about. But we are going to pack it all into one hour, and uh, we're going to go to break. When we come back. As many of you know, uh, there is an assault both at the state level and also on the local level against TABOR. TABOR is an amendment that was put into the Constitution of Colorado by the people of Colorado back in 1982. And, um, Kevin, you're probably familiar with this, but it's basically just about good manners. It yeah. says to politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties, I'm now calling them PBIs. Okay? <laughs> it's more than that, though. It's more than manners. It's it's, it's <laughs> It's the no in the Constitution relating to spending, and they don't like it. Politicians do not like it. They do not like it. It gives that it it makes them have some accountability to the taxpayers relating to budgeting, and they can't stand it. And so they're trying to get rid of that on the local and the county and the state level. We have Proposition CC that's probably going to be on the ballot on a statewide issue, where basically they're saying, "Hey, we want to keep your tax refunds uh, forever." Yeah. And uh, we're seeing something like that happen out in Jefferson County as well. And Scott Weiser, who is doing excellent reporting over at Complete Colorado, is on the line with us. When we come back, he's done a, a really important piece regarding this Jeffco um, situation where they're going to have something on the ballot to take away tax refunds out there. So we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. I'm Kim Munson. I'm thrilled to have in studio with me attorney Kevin Flesh. We'll be right back. Looking for an awesome place to host your draft party? Look no further than Hooters. With tons of TVs, 
free Wi-Fi, world-famous wings, and ice-cold beer, you're probably thinking, it doesn't get any better than that. But wait, at Hooters, it does. Every fantasy league gets a free draft kit and over $200 in Hooters swag. Join us for fantasy football done Hooters style. Book now at Hooters.com slash football. That's Hooters.com slash football. See you at Hooters. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And now introducing Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland for sponsoring the new Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins. In Denver and Castle Rock, Kim would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Denver and YourTownTaxpayers.com for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. I tell you, Steve, Charlie knows that I love those magnificent westerns. That's by the Prague uh, or- uh, Orchestra or Symphonic Orchestra, and I just love all of those. Two things before we get to Scott Weiser. Uh, yesterday was a, a long day. You know, we get up pretty early, Steve. We get up around 3.30 so that we can get in here, and we had a full day. I ended up uh, uh, recording two uh, World War II veterans for my World War II show had another thing I needed to do. And yesterday was when they started these uh, these hearings or comments regarding the Air Quality Control Commission. As many of you know, we talk about a lot that, that um, Governor Polis has signed an executive order that is wanting to basically move Coloradans into force, force them into electric vehicles. And so the Air Quality Control Commission is having hearings on that this week. And the public comment was supposed to be from 12 to 3 yesterday and from 6 to 8 yesterday evening. I couldn't make it during the day. And so I rushed down there after I got finished with everything. I got down there at 7.15 and there were no cars around. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. Maybe maybe they all, Steve, maybe they all rode their bikes and were on the trains to get there. But that wasn't the case. I got there, and uh, the doorman came out. He said, are you here for the hearing? I said, yes. And the, um, you know, the official, you know, the assistant, the person that organizes the meeting, she was there. And I said, well, did, did they leave early? They said, yeah. They said there wasn't anybody here testifying, and so they left. And so here I had driven all the way across town, taken time out of my schedule, been up since, I'm whining, been up since 3.30 in the morning, and um, they didn't stay there and and for my my comments so of course i can email them to them and i'll do that this morning but i was just a little torqued steve and you call me a troublemaker <laughs> <laughs> so anyway let wanted to let you know about that and then the other thing because we're going to be talking with scott weiser complete colorado he does such great work over there is natalie minton is having another of her uh, Tabor boot camps the taxpayer bill of rights boot camps it's going to be on saturday september 14th Check-in begins at 1030. It's at the Lone Tree Library at 10055 Library Way in Lone Tree. 
Training starts at 11. It'll be done by 3 p.m. It's $20. And to register, go to coloradoengaged.com. Coloradoengaged.com. Her last Tabor boot camp, they had to turn some folks away, unfortunately. So thank you to you guys all out there for stepping up, getting your brain around this issue. This is, again, another hill that we need to die on, and that is to make sure that we protect Tabor. And to that, let's talk to Scott Weiser. Scott Weiser, Complete Colorado. Welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Thanks for having me on this morning. Well, most definitely. You have written a very important piece that is in Complete Colorado. And Complete Colorado, they, you guys do just super work. You, on, on the page one, you aggregate news uh, from sources from all over the state. But then if you click on the banner at the top, you have original content. And you've written a very important piece regarding this whole thing out in Jefferson County. So uh, could you kind of set that up for us? Uh, well, Jefferson County is doing what uh, all but uh, 11 of uh, the other counties, the 64 counties in Colorado, have done, which is to uh, detabor their uh, overcollection of taxes. Um, this is a, it's a pretty common thing, both uh, at the county level and at the local level. But uh, Jefferson County has traditionally... Uh, not been in favor of doing that and jefferson county has also been very careful about trying to stay within the the boundaries of Tabor and stay out of trouble but so and and the the way Tabor is being interpreted now uh you know the voters can do this they can say yeah you can keep all of that extra money if you want to um and there's actually a disagreement about that with Douglas Bruce himself, who I interviewed, who says that's not the case. But that doesn't really matter because the Court of Appeals has said that is the case. Uh, the problem with Jefferson County, as I see it, is that that their ballot language is uh, unnecessarily complex and uh, difficult to understand. And when I got tipped off to this story and asked to look into it, uh, I went to the ballot language and uh, and tried to analyze it, because that's my job. I'm, I'm an investigative reporter, and, and that's the, the thing about Complete Colorado is we're not a, you know, a 10-story-a-day daily, you know, news cycle uh, organization. Our original reporting can take a little more time and dig into things in a little more depth. And when I got into looking into it, uh, it seems a straightforward. Hey, we want to keep, the, you know, the money that we collect that, that uh, goes over the uh, the Tabor limits. But the way that they decided to set the, the the new cap was by essentially freeing up the the county to keep uh, all of the tax overages, that's sales tax and property tax and other taxes that apply. And uh, they wanted to keep it. And then over the, uh, the next five years, they would select from the next five years the highest amount of taxes that they collected. And that would be set as the new cap for how much they could keep uh, in over collections forever. And this sounds pretty pretty reasonable, I guess. But when I went to looking at their actual revenues, I looked at their uh, their website, and I found that in 2019 through July 29th, 
um, the middle of the year, they're 32 percent over their Tabor limit. They, they've say you know they've collected 110 million dollars extra, and uh, this is good. And nothing wrong with that as long as they're going to give it back, which um, I guess they plan to. But the, the point is, is that they that they if if, if there's such uh, economic uh, improvement over the next five years, you could have a a new Tabor limit that's you know 100 million 200 million 30 percent 50 percent whatever they manage to collect the thing that concerns me the most is uh, well let me go back and say that sounds kind of like a pig in the poke they're not telling people how much they're going to keep they're just they're going to pick a number which in itself is a bit unusual because a lot of of uh municipalities and counties and, and the state of colorado with proposition cc have just said we can keep it all no matter how much we over collect we get to keep it all forever uh jefferson county at least decided to put a cap on it but when they put the cap on it they immediately excluded from that cap everything but property taxes so they take all taxes into account in setting the cap and then they remove everything except property taxes from that cap so that they can keep whatever they collect of those taxes uh, in perpetuity. And I'm a big fan of plain language and honesty, especially when it comes <laughs> you to think? government. <laughs> yeah, and especially when it comes to, uh, uh, to tax issues. And so it piqued my interest, and that's why I wrote the article, was to try and explain in plain language to taxpayers what the county's actually doing, as opposed to what they want people to think they're doing. Um, and, well, and I just do that because I, I just, uh, that's the way I am. Well, Scott, you are doing just, you're doing the people of Colorado a great service uh, with what uh, you and uh, your colleagues over at Complete Colorado are bringing to light. Uh, and this uh, plain language and transparency, that is something that it, it is something we should always strive for. What you've seen with many PBIs, I'm call, calling them PBIs, politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties, is they like to make these issues so complex that people, they kind of throw up their hands and they don't understand it. And that's one of the reasons why we do this show, is to, to shed light and to, to dissect these issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, and then have conversations about it. And you mentioned that many of the counties and municipalities have detabored. I've seen this, and, and again, I was asleep at the wheel just a little bit, but also like our, your park and uh, recreation districts, your fire districts. Uh, as I started to read ballot language and, and, and read these ballot uh, issues, if I saw anything in there, they might ask you, you know, for a tax increase for something, but then I would see the detabering language hidden there, and I thought, that is disingenuous. And because of that, I would vote no on that. And I think a lot of people think that we're being protected by Tabor because we still generally kind of are at the the state level, but we've seen big chipping away at it at the local level, at the county level. And so thank you, Scott Weiser, for joining us this morning. Your very important piece, it's titled, Jeffco Commissioner Sends Sweeping Taxpayers' Bill of Rights Revenue override to the ballot. Scott Weiser, thank you so much. This is, is um, this piece is at the Complete Colorado. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Thank you it. very much.
Thank you. Okay, and uh, you know what? Uh, let's let's go to no no. Let's go to Jason McBride. Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Kim. I'll keep it short this morning. How's well, that? well, you can, um, but I know there's a lot going on. What is going on in the market? Well, you know, I think that the market can be diagnosed uh, from afar now as schizophrenic <laughs> and mentally ill, so we need to go and take away its guns. <laughs> well, we're going to be talking without due process or with due process, Jason. Well, I don't even know if we need any due process with this crazy thing at this point. Uh, you know, we, we've had some big sell-offs uh, the last couple of weeks. Yesterday, uh, Kim, we got uh, kind of a nice bounce with with big volume, and I was thinking maybe we've, we've turned the corner here, and it's possible we still have, but this morning uh, the futures are down almost 400 again on the Dow. So it, it's possible we start lower and then the buyers come back in again. Uh, looks like uh, China had some really poor numbers. Their industrial output dropped almost 5% in wow. July. Uh, Germany's uh, economy actually went backwards by a tenth of a percent. And as we know, uh, if you get two of those contractions, that's what they define as a recession. So it's not our economy, it's Germany's. And then they're, they're crying about the inverted uh, yield curve again this morning. So just when you think maybe you got a chance to be out of the woods, uh, all the, the same news plus some new stuff comes and uh, kind of throws us into, into question again. Well, okay, Jason, just a question, though. With sure. the China down 5%, does this mean that the, the tariffs are possibly working, or what would you say to that? Well, I, 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 I hate to, to make a conclusion just because of what happened in one month, uh, but it was the weakest reading they've had in 17 years, and I, I think you'd be silly not to think that the tariffs were having uh, some effect on them. Cause, so, yeah, I would think that's at least part of it, and hopefully that's going to keep pressuring them to realize they need to make a good deal. Uh, I always say we need they need us more than them. You know, realize our GDP Kim is eighteen and a half trillion here in the United States, and that's with what three hundred and thirty, three hundred and forty million people. I mean, they've got like what one point two, one point three billion people in China, and their GDP is only eleven trillion. We're far more efficient than they are too, and a lot of people haven't, you know, put those two numbers together. We're getting a lot more GDP out of each person. Well, and you know, the other thing about it is, if their economy is contracting. I, and I think you brought this up when we first started to talk about tariffs, is those businesses might go to some of those other little countries around there. So some of these other little countries might be starting to thrive and prosper because there's competition that is, is occurring there. <clears throat> so, But, of course, the market, you know, as you mentioned, I think it is kind of schizophrenic these days. And uh, so on the short term, you know, it's a ride. It's like fasten your seatbelt. That's why I think people... Uh, might might be a really good idea to sit down and have a little discovery session with you, Jason. Well, I think I think it is, and uh, we don't have any magic answers. We we don't know magic investments that uh, or magic stocks that never go down, but uh, we do know how to 
put things together, give you a good picture. Uh, there are a lot of investments that don't have anything to do with the market, and sometimes that's a good thing. But I'll tell you what, Kim, I think the one thing that we often do is we're able to help people sleep better at night. Uh, most of the time, the news isn't bad. Uh, if the news isn't as good as you would hope it is, once you kind of look at your whole picture, you know, at least people feel better that they kind of know where they're at. And I think we do a great job of that. <clears throat> so, uh, again, uh, you know, if you're worried about what's happening in the market, you've had 10 years of gains, you're going, geez, I don't want to lose those. Uh, yeah, I, I would just say what Donald Trump said, come and see us. What do you have to lose? <laughs> well, that's for sure. So check out chickspresidential.com, chickspresidential.com. And at 730, Natalie, you'll be in at the switchboard. That number is 303-694-1600. 303-694-1600. Jason, thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Well, we'll hope for better news then. Okay. Bye-bye. And we'll be right back. I, I'm thrilled to have in studio with me my guest, Ameridude, and that is Kevin Flesh. Uh, we're going to be talking about, I think, one of the most important things, I mean, a very important thing in the Constitution, due process. And I'm not sure that people totally understand it. And I think you're the guy that's going to explain it. So we'll be right back. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do, as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Love it, Charlie. Put together all those great Western songs today. Love that. And uh, I'm really excited to have in studio with me Kevin Flesh. He is an attorney. Uh, Steve said he gets all kinds of airtime. I know that you are are good uh, colleagues with uh, Scott Watley. Does a great job later on in the day, and uh, really appreciate you being being in here. Yeah, not a problem. Yeah, Scott and I get together every couple of weeks to talk about legal stuff on his show, and then uh, I do some. Uh, we also do a show on Saturday, Sportsman of Colorado. So okay, great. We talk about hunting and fishing, and very much an advocate for gun ownership and the Second Amendment. And but but I think in this context, I, I put my lawyer hat on, and we talk about you know look at the. Look at the federal constitution. Look at our state constitution. Both talk about the fact that uh, no one shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Mm-hmm. And and that's really simple, right? Well, I, I hope so. You know, it seems like, Kevin, every time we have these tragic shootings, yes, you immediately start to hear people, politicians say that we need to have more and more gun control. 
And, and they may not say it in those words. You're, you're hearing words like common sense gun control, yes. uh, red flag bills. And I read Colorado's red flag bill that it's became awful. law, and I thought it was awful and um, because I did not feel that there was due process. And, you know, people, it breaks their hearts when they see, you know, they think, oh, my gosh, if that guy didn't have a gun, then he wouldn't have been able to shoot people. Well, that's kind of simplistic. Well, the thing that what happens is, I think, is politicians and everyone in sort of in the community that deals with these issues is looking for an answer to the problem that we have, which is people being violent and killing people when they really shouldn't. And it's a mental health issue. It's a lonely people out there that are deranged, that are taking it out on society for whatever reason. I mean, that's that's the cause and effect. That difficult question to answer is how do you solve that problem? Because dealing with the mental health issues and dealing with those sorts of individuals in those situations is a really complex problem to solve. But politicians don't want to solve that because both sides of the aisle are looking to point the finger at the other relating to when these things happen to say there's not enough gun control or there's too much. I mean it's just personal – I think just the way that the politicians are looking at this problem, they don't actually want to solve it. And these red flag bills are just another way for the left, for the Democrats, to confiscate weapons. And it's, it's, I liken it to the similar situation that we had with marijuana in Colorado. And we started out with medical marijuana, and now we've got recreational. Because you slowly, the public gets used to it, and it's mm-hmm. okay. And it's mm-hmm. the same thing that they're doing here. Well, if we can put in a process, whether it's due process or not, to take your weapons, then... We're just going to take them over time and hope that we can confiscate all of them. Mm -hmm. And that's the great thing about this country is our founders put in place the Second Amendment, right? And the Second Amendment is a right, not a privilege. Our ability to drive on the roads in Colorado is a privilege, mm-hmm. and they can take our license really with very little due process. Mm-hmm. Um, you still get you, you still get a hearing, but the hearings aren't very viable mm-hmm. most of the time. But here we're talking about, and the argument right from the politicians is. Well, we know that these people have mental health issues. So anybody with mental health issues, we have to take their weapons. Mm-hmm. But that leads to a lot of corrupt problems. Let's go back. What is due process exactly, Kevin? Yeah, so due process in this context relating to taking someone's property, whether it's a gun or your real estate or, or anything, um, you need to have some sort of court proceeding wherein you get to fight the fight, that it's both sides are there, they're in front of a disinterested judge, And that judge hears evidence from both sides. There's cross-examination. There's advocacy on both sides. And then a decision is made. The problem with all of these laws so far is that it's normally what's called an ex parte process, which means that you can go in with an affidavit and basically affirm under oath that the person that you're trying to take their guns from is infirm somehow, whether it's a mental capacity or they're uh, going to do some harm to themselves or someone else, and that... The reason that they have this defect is is significant enough that you need to take their weapons from them. Um, and, and the idea is you do that before something happens. When we don't have any other laws relating to the criminal process or even the civil process where the judge can step in, generally speaking, and say, oh, we think you're going to do this, so we're going to stop it before it happens. Does that make sense? It does. It, and, it does, yeah. And and that's the trouble with this with this process is that – Especially if you do it ex parte, then then you can have just a let's say you and I are married and we have a disagreement about something in our marriage and we're going to get divorced. As part of the divorce, you go and we see this on a regular basis now in dissolution of marriage actions where you go and get an order 
removing me from the home. And you can do that ex parte through a restraining order process now. Okay. The same sort of process is what our new red flag bill says you can do in going and confiscating all of my weapons. And then the, the real issue relating to due process is now I've been convicted, essentially, without having my day in court. Now I get to petition the court to go back and explain why it shouldn't have happened. But in petitioning the court, that means you have to get an attorney yes. and, and, and pay for it out of your, your own pocket. And uh, I want to go back to something, though, on ex parte. My understanding is is that you may not even know, at least on the— You the, don't. You, you don't know that you've been accused. Right. You have no idea. They don't, they don't have to put you on notice of anything. Okay. So that's the first component of due process, is you are not actually being able to face your accuser. And that was really important to the founders. Yes. They realized that because, you know, people could go out and make all kinds of allegations about someone and that that— that took away your rights, mm-hmm. and that's why due process was am – am I coming around to this yeah, correctly? That's exactly right. The other, pro- the other process that we go through is we go through jury trials. We have individuals from the community come in and, and listen to evidence and make a decision in just common-sense terms and decide guilt or innocence a lot of times or guilt or not guilt uh-huh. um, relating to criminal cases or in civil cases to determine what you would have to pay in the way of monetary things. Um, it's the same point here with the ex parte. You don't get that opportunity because you don't know about it. It would be, you know, that's where I think first the first thing where the red flag laws fall down is that it should be a situation where you are put on notice. And then you have a hearing within seven days. They can do that. They can make that a priority for the court. We do that for restraining orders now, where the restraining order is a priority for the court to hear those things um, right away. And so you could do the same thing with these sorts of gun confiscation laws so that you have the ability to come in and deal with it. Now, the argument is, oh, well, you're so mentally infirm, something may happen in that seven days. Okay. Well, we don't have any data to suggest that it does. Because we've we've got other states. Connecticut has been has had their red flag law since 1999. They've got 10 years of data relating to whether it works or not, um, and none of the data suggests that the gap in time between whether it's an ex parte or just a regular hearing that there's something that the person does that with those weapons that are in their possession. Okay, now I'm thinking about this. Let's say that I am the judge, and so someone comes in and uh, they say, "Hey, you know." Um, Harry over here, I, you know, I think that he's infirmed. I'm concerned. He's got all kinds of weapons. And, uh, and, uh, and, 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 you know, I think that you need to do something about it. Now, they say in these red flag laws that, that actually the person that's coming in making the allegation has to, you know, be sure that that's the case. I don't see that there's protections there on that, really. The, no, they have to come in and they have to get in front of a judge, and and the judge gets to decide credibility and determine whether or not the person that's giving them this evidence yeah. is is really credible about the threat. So let's think about this. You're yes. the judge, mm-hmm. and somebody comes in and they they make this accusation. Yep. I, I'm going to say nine times out of ten, they're probably going to, they're thinking in their head, well, gosh, what if, what if, what, I'm, wrong? What if I'm wrong and this person goes out and does, you know, uh, attack someone? And so it seems like it's just setting it up that the, the judge is probably going to go ahead and rule to, to go in and take those weapons. That's why it's so important in the laws to have a specific level of proof that they have to provide the court. So... In criminal cases, we have to provide the court proof beyond a reasonable doubt to find guilt. It's mm-hmm. a really high standard. Um, in most of these laws, I think it's by a preponderance of the evidence to begin with as to whether or not the person should have the order entered. And I agree with you. I mean, the court, 
they're human beings like anybody else. And with all of the press that's out there about these sorts of situations, the court is going to start with, well, I want to protect the public. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think if you have a, a standard of by a preponderance, so that's just tilting the scales of justice, right? If the person who doesn't have an advocate on the other side that's arguing for the negative mm -hmm. um, comes in and gives the, the court that information and it seems plausible, then the court's going to enter the order. So again, we have a due process issue there. Now, if the standard is clear and convincing evidence, I think that's a much higher standard, not beyond a reasonable doubt, but between the two, between uh, by a preponderance versus beyond a reasonable doubt. Okay? What does Colorado's law, I can't remember. Does I can't it? remember either. I think that it starts out by a preponderance. That's what I'm thinking too. And then I think the person that has their guns taken, they have to then basically disprove by clear and convincing evidence. So that's wow. another... That's another issue that we have. Another due to. process. Yeah. Well, uh, Kevin Flesh, let's go to break. Uh, you uh, are an attorney. Uh, what, what is your website if people... Yeah, it's fleshlawfirm.com. And that's F-L-E-S-C-H lawfirm.com. Okay, it. great. Thrilled to have you in studio with me. This is such an important conversation regarding due process. Uh, we'll be right back. This is Kim Munson, and uh, you won't want, will not want to miss this last segment. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. Because of Karen's love of dogs, Karen volunteers with GER, Golden Retriever Rescue of the Rockies, helping Golden Retrievers find their forever homes. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with Remax Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person, and children under 12 are free. Friday, August 9th through Thursday, August 15th, features will include The Lion King, Toy Story 4, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. And hey, Steve, I know what you're going to be doing on Friday evening. Do you have your apron ready? Because you and Patty and I are going to work the snack bar out at 88 Drive-In Theater. I'm just going to watch you and Patty. Oh, uh, no, supervise. You're gonna, yeah, you're going to supervise. <laughs> so that's going to be a lot of fun. Come out and see us. It, it's going to be some great movies and it'll be a lot of fun. And, and I'm practicing. Do you want butter on that popcorn? There we go. <laughs> Kevin Flesh, it's so good to have you in studio. This is such an important issue. Due process. These red flag laws. And I'm, I'm uncomfortable that President Trump is starting to say that he might be talking about red flag laws. We, we have got to stay strong on this. Yes, we do. And the, the other thing is related to the federal government. There really is no ability for the federal government to come in and do this um, because of the Commerce Clause. So because there's no inter, 
interstate commerce relating to the use of these weapons. So the person living in Colorado shouldn't have the the feds aren't. I will be very surprised if the federal government actually can pass anything where a federal judge or a federal magistrate in downtown Denver or Colorado Springs is hearing some sort of red, red flag gun confiscation uh, hearings. Okay, uh, It's going to be state by state. And I think what they're wanting to do is they're wanting to get um, sort of federal legislation to have sort of a model bill so that the, all the states, because there's 17 states right now that have uh, gun confiscation bills or red flag uh, laws in place. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they want to, the Dems in particular, want to have all of the states have that tool in their arsenal to take guns away from people. Mm-hmm. And listen, the, I think we, we all can have a discussion about uh, a s- situations like this where you have people that are clearly uh, have a mental capacity issue and they're they're dangerous i don't don't we have something in colorado already though yeah so what happens in colorado if somebody's concerned about uh, a person's mental uh, state of state of mind well so every criminal case that we have in colorado the person's guns are taken from them as a condition of bond almost and while on probation you have all of your weapons taken from you as a condition of probation whether it's a misdemeanor or a felony okay so if you've been accused of, of of that your weapons are taken taken yep it's okay. a, a condition of the relinquishment of those weapons is a condition of you being out of custody. Okay. So we are, we have that. So, but the, the but the point is, and I think you know, for example, if George Brockler, the 18th judicial uh, DA, there was looking for a tool that if we have this situation, um, we had that deranged former lawyer that shot the Douglas County Sheriff a few years ago um, when they showed up. And and the question is, do you have enough evidence for individuals with police contact to go in and say, hey, we've got to do something about this person so they don't commit any further crimes? There are things, restraining order procedures, there's other things that we can do to have courts make some decisions about things. The trouble is we don't have a specific um, law relating to weapons. And that's what that's what people are really trying to do. It doesn't solve the problem. It really masks it, right? Mm-hmm. Because, um, well, and, and if somebody wanted to hurt someone, uh, they could use a knife or, or like the, this realtor yep. uh, that uh, was attacked a, a week or so ago, the perpetrator had a knife and bear spray. Right. So, so this really is, it, this really is working to take firearms away from everyday people Correct. from what I can see. Absolutely. Because that's, that's the exact position that that the folks that are advocates for taking weapons or not, people not having weapons because you always hear oh you know why do you need a hundred hundred round magazine or why do you need this or why do you need that but that's not where we're where we have to start our analysis constitutionally constitutionally you have to look at the second amendment and you have to decide how far does the second amendment go relating to that mm-hmm. that right that we have to to bear arms mm-hmm. and and so the idea is is trying to at least from the perspective of gun ownership and and managing guns from the perspective of people who don't want you to have them, is how do they create a law that gets past that constitutional muster, that gets past that analysis, that this is okay. And we've seen that in D.C., we've seen it in Chicago. I mean, In uh, Chicago, they had a bloody week in there. Oh, my gosh. It's it's the most restrictive gun ownership municipality in the country and they also have the highest murder rate or very close go, to the go figure how's that working out yeah. well it's not yeah and so so that's an example of when you look at um when you look at the politics involved um you, you still need to go back to the documents and really talk about due process and that's where we we really have to f- fight the fight is the documents that are already in place to help us 
And our founders were so smart in that way to give us the grounding to make sure that we, we put these things aside because they're just not constitutional. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the due process analysis relating to We could do things. We could certainly do things to control these sorts of situations, but there just have to be certain things in place. There has to be no ex parte hearings. There has to be the ability to have counsel um, before they take uh, your, your property rights relating to weapons. Oh, that, I hadn't thought about that. So they can just take it without you having any counsel. Yeah, right now. And that's going to be the interesting thing with, with Colorado because there is some provisions in the law that would suggest that you could be appointed someone if you're not able to uh, actually hire a private lawyer, which will be interesting too because then how's the state – How's that going to be regulated by the state? And who are those lawyers that are going to be representing you? Because if you get a lawyer that's representing you that thinks you should have your guns taken away from you anyway, there's some ethical considerations for the lawyer. And how does the state pay for all of that? And that, that hasn't been figured out yet. Yeah. And that's going to be an interesting discussion because that's, that's got to happen before this is put in place to do it correctly as to due process. Well, and, and a couple of things. Going back to mental health, we have talked, talked about uh, mental health I mean, I don't remember these kinds of mass shootings years ago. I think there's something going on with society, and we need to address that. And uh, we've talked we've talked about that on several different shows. Well, I think there's a large. I think one of the largest things that's happened is our our federal and state governments have defunded a lot of the mental health treatment that they had and the facilities that they had, and those people are out homeless or they're out just in the wind and where we're not getting the help that's really needed. And that I see it every day in our criminal defense practice, the folks that I'm representing that have a mental health component that needs needs some help and they don't have the resources to do it. And those are the people that are ending up in these tragedies um, because we're, we're just sort of setting them aside when we, we can't. And as a society, we should be more empathetic to them. Right. Right. And so instead of taking care of the problem, right. uh, what is happening is politicians and bureaucrats and these interested parties are trying to use this problem to actually uh, to, to, to take away the firearms of yeah. everyday people. Absolutely I mean, correct. That's the bottom line. And, and it's easy because you, you have, generally speaking, you have two camps relating to a gun. You either have the folks that are comfortable with them and, and are advocating for for uh, the Second Amendment and their right to have them, and you have the people that are scared of guns. And so the people that are scared of guns, and there's lots of them out there, um, think, well, I don't care because I'm scared of them and I don't want them around anyway, so let's get rid of them. But the problem is is that the guns aren't going away. Only the guns for law-abiding citizens are going to go away. The bad guys are going to be the ones that have They're always going to have guns. Well, and, you know, one other thing, people may be, uh, you know, that are afraid of guns are saying, hey, this is a great idea. But when you get rid of due process, it's not just going to be this. We see other issues out there. We see where government is trying to get into how you raise your children. What if somebody made an ex parte accusation that they didn't like the way you were raising your children? I know that that kind of seems like do-do-do-do, but I don't think think it is. Because once you start to have these, these rights chipped away that's in the Constitution, then where does it stop? And that's why we have these conversations, Kevin. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, no problem. I, I greatly appreciate that. And again, your law firm, it's um, fleshlawfirm.com, right? Yep. And that's F-L-E-S-C-H. That's correct. The, the firm name is Flesh and Beck Law, but the, the uh, website address is fleshlawfirm.com. Okay. Well, I hope that you'll come back. I'm more than happy to. Because you're an early fun. riser. You, you weren't whining about having to get here so early. No, so not uh, at all. And uh, <laughs> these are always interesting topics. And the more that people know about it, the better off they are to talk with folks 
in the opposite side. Uh, whatever side of the argument you're on, you need to at least understand the law relating to it and how it should be. Whether you agree or disagree with it, it should be fair process. And that's really what due process is all about. Well, and that's why we do this show. So yeah. thanks so much for being here, Kevin Flesh. And Clint Eastwood, he said, uh, respect your efforts, respect yourself. Self-respect leads to self-discipline. When you have both firmly under your belt, that is real power. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. Like a new-